Do you have pet insurance for your dog or have you thought about pet insurance and really didn't know where to start? Well, you need to listen to today's episode because I'm talking to Alex from Pets on Me and we're talking all about pet insurance, what you need to know, what you need to make sure you've got covered and all the ins and outs of things like your policies and your expenses and all that fun stuff that we never really want to look at because it's a bit boring. So listen and learn to today's episode and get some fantastic insights around pet insurance for your oodle. Who's positively spoiled? If you have a spoiled oodle, just like me and many others, then you're listening to the right podcast. Positively Spoiled is a new podcast focusing on helping you raise a happy and healthy oodle. Now we know just how fussy, cute, loving and sometimes challenging they can be, but hey, us two-leggeds can't resist a cute four-legged face. I'm Tanya, Chief Pawson, Pet Concierge and Temporary Porrent to many small dogs that are part of the extended oodle family here at Three Sports Dogs. As a lifelong small dog owner and temporary porrent to many other oodles and many small dogs, I have seen it all. And this podcast is here to help you raise the happiest and healthiest oodle that you can. And hey, we don't discriminate. So if you have any other breed of dog, you'll find the podcast relevant and helpful too. So pause up and let's get into today's episode. Just before we start, I need to let you know that the advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into consideration your personal situation or financial needs. Hello, everybody. It is Tanya Williams here, Chief Pawson at Three Sport Dogs, and we're back with another episode. Yep, another week has gone by, and we've got a very interesting topic today, and it's one that I get asked about quite often, and it's around pet insurance. I always get asked from people, should I have pet insurance? Well, it's a very personal thing, but I've got the person that's going to answer all the questions today right here with me. And that is Alex Abedwani, who is the CEO of Pets on Me, and they are all about pet insurance. So, hey, Alex. Hello, Tanya. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Uh, It was very um, fortuitous when we met. We actually met at a networking meeting and started chatting. I went, oh my God, I've been looking for someone to talk to about pet insurance. And here you are right in front of me. So you're reaching out to you when the time's right. And um, we've set up a time to sort of chat and, and talk more about it. Can you just tell us a bit about yourself, Alex, and a bit about Pets on Me? Sure, of course I can. So it's actually quite a funny story that goes uh, way back in terms of how um, I, I fell into sort of pet insurance, but it all starts um, when I was a little boy, when I was about nine years old. Um, I, I wanted a pet of my own um, and my parents wouldn't have a bar of it. They said I wouldn't look after the pet. Um, and so I asked my, my mum and dad if I could mind dogs in my, in my parents' home. And they thought that it would last a couple of, a couple of days or a couple of weeks or a couple of months and, and then I'd get over it and they'd never have to talk about it again. And that wasn't to be, Tanya. So I actually ended up in the first year minding over 100 different dogs. Oh, wow. Um, at, and, and, but at age, I was only 10. Um, so it wasn't a business. It was just sort of like a, a little hustle, I guess. Um, yeah. Then I started uh, contracting or subcontracting out minders uh, using my friends where I'd keep half of the money and, and <laughs> give the other. I love the entrepreneurial spirit. That's fantastic. Yeah, keeping in mind I was very, very young. And, and I did that for quite a few years until a family friend who was a lawyer said, 
have you got a business? Are you running anything sort of legitimately here? And I, you know, it was all just literally just a hustle. There was nothing official about it. Um, and it started officially as, as find a dog minder, which is a pet services business, which we still have today and, and still operate mm-hmm. successfully today. Um, and we, this was, um, when I essentially left school was when I set it up. Um, and yeah, so a dog minding service, um, national and was very successful. And during that time, uh, in those early years, often people were telling us about the expenses of, of pet insurance and, and just going to the vet and how it cost them an arm and a leg. And, and back back then, which was sort of around 2007, um, pet insurance was fairly new, Yeah. Um, but I'd always wanted to get into it. I just always saw an opportunity um, that, that there wasn't a lot of choice when it came to pet insurance. Um, and many moons later, fast forwarding um, to the, 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 pa- the pandemic, um, sort of around 2021, um, we obviously the services side of the business didn't have much demand during the pandemic no one was traveling everyone was walking yeah. their own dogs and i thought <laughs> that's the perfect time to to sort of focus all of my energy on getting this pet insurance operation underway and it wasn't easy it required a lot of a lot of legal hoops to jump over yeah, but we got there and um you know it's been a huge success in the two and a bit years that we've been doing it so it's really sort of evolved organically from what you were doing to go, well, hey, I'm getting this sense that people need this this service. Um, now's the time to to get started on it. Yeah, absolutely. It was just constant feedback over the years from the yeah. we had about fifty thousand members nationally who were using our service and just constantly going, you know, either I'm not happy with my current pet insurance provider or do you offer pet insurance or just asking general, um, you know, general questions that it just got me thinking, gosh, there's got to be a better option out there. Yeah. And that's the thing back then. I remember, I mean, we've got pet insurance for my three dogs now and we got that from when they were a puppy, but but with our last three dogs, when we got them pet insurance, you never heard about it. Like that was back in the early nineties, right? So it wasn't around and then it sort of became, it sort of got introduced, as you said, sort of in the two thousands, but it was still so new and it was, expensive and you didn't know what like it was just one of those things going on we don't need pet insurance but I think the pet industry has changed a huge amount in the last five ten years where you know I had this conversation with someone the other day about raw foods and you know that we didn't have pet minders all those years ago or house sitters you know we didn't have raw food we didn't have you know people coming to our home to to care for our dogs and stuff like there's been so many new things that have been introduced to the industry and I think that's been a, a, you know, due to obviously the way that people are now treating their dogs. They're very much part of our family. They sleep in the house. They get treated better than humans sometimes. Definitely. Um, you know, the, the industry has changed. And I think you being able to open up services and create services based on that change is, you know, is um, you know, a great thing. We, we call it that the pet has come from living in the backyard to living yep. on the bed. So, you know, yeah. 15 years ago, pretty much most of the time, the family dog lived in a kennel out the back, right? That Absolutely. Was the norm. Yeah. yeah. They they ate probably canned pal dog food, yeah. which is, as we all now know is, you know, not the best product, that's for sure. Um, and times have changed. The pet is now a part of the family. The pet lives inside with the family. And, and that, you know, echoes through other parts of pet ownership including yeah. things like insurance, diet, like you mentioned. So absolutely, the, the the landscape in pet has changed dramatically. I've seen it firsthand in the last mm. 10 years. Yeah. So let's let's talk pet insurance then. So, sure. 
you know, when you Google pet insurance, there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes up. There's a whole bunch of options and, and so forth. But let's start with really basics. Like what is it? Sure. And what are the basic things that it covers? Sure, absolutely. And just before I get started, Tanya, I just have to mention um, that any advice is general in nature. So we're absolutely. not taking into consideration anyone's personal situation or financial needs. Um, but yeah, let, let's get started. So what is I, I forgot to mention that, so thank you. No problem. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's all right. Um, so it's, you know, and that's not a silly question. I get it asked all the time. What, what is it? I have no idea what pet insurance is. And people yeah. often feel a bit silly when they ask me. And I say, actually, it's not. It's probably one of the most common questions that I get. And it's a very simple answer. It's essentially vet expenses insurance. So it's insuring a risk that may happen to your pet, being a, be it a dog or cat. So it's typically only dogs or cats that can be insured. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's insuring risks that may happen like illnesses and accidents. So an accident could be something like a broken bone, getting hit by a car or a snake bite, something like that. Some examples of illnesses um, are things like skin conditions, ear infections, eye infections, right up to the more serious things like cancer. Now, there's many, many examples, but those are just a yeah. few just to give you an idea. So it's it's not something, you're not insuring something that's that's a given. For example, vaccinations or or dogs yeah. or anything like that. It's it's a risk. Just like when you insure your car, if you're to, to reduce the risk of if you were to get into an accident or if you're to insure your house, if there's a flood, for example. Yeah, yeah. So what are the basic things that insurances cover? Because there's obviously everything from a basic premium, a, a basic policy all the way up to sort of more complex and more expensive policies. In a typical policy, and I know they're all different, but what are the basic things that it does cover? Yeah, sure. So it's very hard for me to give you a, a specific answer as to yeah, course, every yeah. insurer will cover. Um, but you can be pretty, yeah, you can be pretty sure that most policies are going to cover accidents and illnesses if you're, if you're taking out a mid to higher level cover uh, uh, option of cover um, some policies for example we do have a, an entry level cover that just covers accidents only and it's much cheaper um, than something that's covering both accidents and illnesses um, but it, it's essentially you know very common claims that we get are things like broken bones cruciate ligament injuries um, probably the most common claim that we get across the board is the ingestion of a foreign object so swallow something and I'm sure you can guess what breeds are very common when it comes to swallowing things or chewing things and it's usually starts with an L uh, it's Labradors who are famous for oh, yes. eating, eating everything um, yeah and everything yeah but it's probably the most our most claimed item is the ingestion of a foreign object yeah okay so and and again this is a general question as well what sort of things does it not cover Great question. Um, and, and it's really important because unfortunately pet, pet insurance can be quite hard to understand and complicated. And that's something we try to do is really simplify it as best as we can. But the most common thing that is excluded in a policy is pre-existing conditions. Now, yeah. that's anything that occurred before you took out the policy or during the waiting periods that a policy has. Now, a waiting period is the time that you have to wait before you can make a claim under the policy. Mm -hmm. And that varies from policy to policy. So what that essentially means is if your dog is already sick, and a new insurance policy is not going to cover that. Yeah, okay. I mean, that makes sense. With well, I mean, that's the same with human insurance, right? Like it doesn't cover anything that's pre-existing. So I think that's seems to be a yeah. general insurance and also thing. because it wouldn't again it wouldn't be insurance because it's not a risk it's already happened um yeah. so you couldn't insure your car if it's already been in a car accident for example yeah 
yeah, hindsight's a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. People try it. Well, in case no one would have it, would they, until you go, oh, quick, I've, something's just happened, I better go and get insurance. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> um, let's talk about the different types of policies that you can get. So as we said, there's yeah. lots of different types and you can get something yeah. you just mentioned. You've got something that's really sort of, you know, basic and then yeah. you can get into obviously more, you know, complex exactly. policy types. What are the differences between them? Yeah, for sure. And, and it comes down to budget, you know, what you what you can mm-hmm. afford and what level of cover you want um, versus how much risk you want to take um, for a, in terms of, um, you know, it's, it's, I guess, you know, you can you can spend a lot more money on a pet insurance policy and have very, very comprehensive uh, coverage, or you can spend a little bit of money and have some form of coverage. So, so I'll, mm-hmm. I'll walk you through the typical examples of, mm-hmm. of, of where coverage started. As I mentioned, the, the most simple basic covers typically an accident only policy um so that's going to insure you for 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 literally an accident like i said before broken bones hit by a car snake bites those kind of things um obviously it's not going to cover you for accidents sorry for illnesses um Mm -hmm. and then the the higher levels of cover are going to cover both accidents and illnesses um some policies may have additional cover um that um, d- depending on you know price point and whatnot. For example, our, ho- our top level of cover also covers dental illnesses, um, so things mm-hmm. like tooth extraction, tooth extractions, gingivitis, um, retained deciduous teeth, and those kind of things. Um, so overall, as, a, as an umbrella, if you're looking at pet insurance to hold, the, the, the coverage levels are certainly not identical, but somewhat similar across the board. In other words, it's, it's going to be unlikely that you're going to see a vastly different policy from one provider to another. Yeah. Of course, there are differences, but they're not going to be massive differences. Can you, like, okay, so we've got, we've had the same, I think, level of cover for ours their whole life. As they okay. get older, can you then change the coverage and go, actually, well, now we decided we want more cover or do you have to sort of stay on whatever you've got? Because obviously as they're getting older, there's chances, there's more chance of them getting, you know, sick and so forth. Yeah. Are you yeah, able to change that or it's like, no, it's locked in, you can't do anything? No, no. Well, certainly with Pets on Me, you can upgrade, downgrade or cancel your policy at any time. So by mm-hmm. no means are you stuck. So as you get older, you can uh, increase the cover absolutely. You could also de- decrease it for whatever re- reasons, you know, financial yeah. situation means you can no longer afford a high level of cover. Um, so, yeah, you can absolutely um, change your cover. In fact, all insurers um, these days, I think, are obligated to offer flexibility in that respect. So it's very unusual to see any form of lock-ins anymore. Um, the <laughs> recent um, Banking and Financial Services Royal Commission uh, in, brought in a lot of changes, which which obviously favours the, the policyholder in, in giving them a little bit more flexibility. Mm-hmm. I know with me, one of the things that really frustrates me with, with pet insurance is I feel like it doesn't cover a lot of preventable type things. Yeah. Like you mentioned before about dental. Well, I know all of mine have had their teeth cleaned multiple times, they've had extractions and stuff. And I'm like, we're doing that so they don't get an infection that can cause a bigger issue, which obviously costs more money. But I sure. feel like a lot of policies, as you said, unless you've got like the highest one or whatever, don't cover stuff like that, which to me you go, well, why wouldn't it? Because that's like actually helping the dog and helping yeah. you know us spend less money at some point in time. Why is sure. that? Yeah, it's a great question. And you know, Tanya, dental is another hot topic. It's a hot question that gets yeah. asked all the time as a, as a great question. And I get it. Um, you know, it, it's a preventative, so it could prevent further larger vet bills. And yeah. that's one of the reasons why we offer dental illness cover on our higher policy. 
But in saying that, and, and to answer your question as to why it's so uncommon in pet insurance is a, a number of different reasons. But first and foremost is we have to remember, as I said, insurance is to prevent, uh, you're insuring a risk. Prevention mm-hmm. is not a risk. In other words, dental cleaning is guaranteed to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, true. Clean. Just like, so we it would be um, paying a claim on something that we we know is going to happen and, and in short, it's just completely not commercially viable. Um, yeah. that it, makes it sense, just, I guess. It would make yeah. pet insurance so unaffordable um, that it doesn't make sense to have it. Um, and look, that's that's what it comes down to with anything sort of preventative related is if we were to include th- those kind of um, coverages in our policies, um, it would just make the policy too uh, unaffordable. Um, yeah. Because we would be paying out so many claims in preventative care, um, and that's why it's 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 across the board. Just typically, you know, you don't see coverage for things like um, dental cleaning. It's just yeah. not it's just not commercially viable, unfortunately. Well, as you said, I think it back, comes back down to that risk. Is it an accident or an illness? Well, it's neither, is it? So yeah. it's just part of their daily life, I guess. So it's like saying, can we claim food? <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. That's giving they get all get fed, but you can't claim it. Yeah. And, and a couple of quick things to mention just, yeah. uh, just about pen insurance, just be as an educational, um, from an educational perspective for your listeners, because we all know essentially what insurance is. You know, most of us have, like I said, car insurance or home insurance, mm-hmm. um, but there are some some differences to car, home, and then and then to pet. But one thing I really want to point out, which is um, an interesting thing, just from sitting on the other side of the table from an insurance company's perspective to educate your listeners, is pet insurance is one of the most claimed insurance policies in Australia, um, mm. claims ratios or claims rates, in other words, the number of people that are claiming on the policies are typically north of 90% of policyholders will make a claim in some point. Now, yeah, well, let's compare yeah. that to a motor policy or a car policy. I don't think you're claiming on your car insurance 90% of the time. No, Otherwise, you're a very bad driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's um, actually really interesting because yeah, I've never thought of it like that. Like, I think I don't even know if I've, we've claimed on our house insurance like yeah, over no, all yeah. these years, but yeah, I, but I'm I'm often claiming on my pet insurance. So, yeah, that's a yeah. very important distinction. Yeah, so there's obviously you know costs associated with that, um, and of course you know vet expenses. I don't need to tell you and your listeners. We all mm-hmm. know that the costs of vet going to the vet has risen dramatically uh, above inflation over the last few years. Yeah. It's all right. It can be, and again, it depends on what you're going for. It can uh, turn into a very expensive exercise, especially when it's unexpected. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, things like after hours care, or if you find yourself uh, yeah. you needing to stay overnight in a, in a veterinary hospital, that's when the vet bills can really start to mount up. Absolutely. I've played plenty of those over the years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about um, older dogs. So two of my girls are 13 and, and my other little boy Neo is 11. Now we've had policies for them since they were puppies. But okay. um, like I'm wondering if someone has an older dog and, again, your definition of old can be different. Someone might think it's 10 years. Someone might think it's 15 years. Are you able to take out a policy once your dog actually gets older and not when they're younger? Great question. Um, so... <laughs> There is usually a cutoff on what age you can insure the risk of illnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's usually between it, it varies from insurer to insurer but it's usually from around the nine year mark eight to okay. nine years is when the cutoff is for no longer being able to insure uh, a pet against illness now that doesn't mean if you already hold a policy like you do tanya that doesn't mm -hmm. mean that when your pet hits that age that they're going to cancel your policy it simply means a new you could not purchase a new policy if you don't already have one to ensure that illness risk um, from an accident perspective it's usually a little bit older maybe it's around 10 years old where yeah. uh, an insurer will not insure you at all for either accidents or illnesses but a lot of people get confused around that it doesn't mean that if you already hold a policy under that age that once your pet hits that age that they'll no longer be covered that's not what it means it simply yeah. means that you cannot obtain a new policy from those age brackets which I, I guess makes sense I think it's probably similar with with humans I guess I mean I don't know too much I've yeah, sure insurance as well sure. but I suppose once you get yeah. to 70 70 years old and then go I'm going to take a health insurance you're probably like yeah now it's a bit too late for that <laughs> yeah and, and again why is that well it would, if we would sell a policy that it cover, uh, insured illnesses for a pet that's 12 years old, it would just be so unaffordable um, yeah. that it, it just wouldn't make sense for either the consumer or, or, the, or the insurance company, unfortunately. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so in terms of cost, now I've noticed this, and I don't know if it's because just simply because it's in inflation, but I know that each year our policies seem to increase in price. And I'm going, is that because they're older and there's a greater chance of something happening to them or is most of that inflation or is it a combination of both great question and, and another super common question that we get so i'm glad you glad you brought it up because i think it's an important one to talk about yeah for first and foremost all pet insurers in australia uh increase their premiums year on year yeah. um it's 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 in fact these days it's almost all insurance policies not just pet that that would typically rise year on year it is partially due to inflation yes but it's more than that as well um there's a few different factors aside from inflation the age of your pets so as your pet gets older the risk of of your dog getting sick just like with us humans is increased so yeah. a 20 year old um human is far less likely to get sick than an 85 year old human it's the same thing with pet as your pet gets older the risk increases and unfortunately the, the therefore your premium is going to increase as well now the third factor so it was age related um, inflation is certainly a factor um, the breed your breed of dog is also a factor towards how much your policy is it doesn't necessarily correlate to how much your policy is going to rise but mm -hmm. certainly to how much your policy is going to be because uh, let's see, for an example, a larger breed dog, such as a, a Rottweiler, um, is uh, far more likely to have more expensive vet bills than a, a lap dog like a, a Cavoodle, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, larger dogs typically have more expensive vet bills, um, typically um, claim more often. So they're going to be quite a lot more expensive to insure than a smaller breed dog, for sure. Yeah. Um, and Which then makes lastly, sense. Yeah, lastly, with relation to increases or your annual renewals increasing it is definitely directly related to vet expenses increasing so we have seen the cost of vet expenses as i mentioned rise significantly more than inflation over the last 18 months specifically um, so we unfortunately have no choice but to to pass those costs those rising costs onto our customers through the through our increased premiums unfortunately um, often we look like the bad guy as to why you know you put our premiums up so much but it's because of vets really driving up the cost of vet expenses across australia yeah and again that makes sense that happens in 
in normal insurance as well. Yep. Um, fine print. It's one of those things. Sure. Oh, anyone reads the fine print? I've never read fine print in my life. I don't think no one's going to sit there with a magnifying glass trying to figure it all out. But it's one of those things I know, especially with, with our insurances for different things, where they'll say, oh, there's certain fine print around flood, floods and what's classified as floods and you know, all that sort of stuff. When it comes to pet insurance, are there certain little nuances or things that are in the fine print that we need to sort of be looking at to go, okay, does it cover this particular thing? I need to be looking for this type of wording. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Look, I think obviously we know a product disclosure statement is a, a very long legal document that can mm-hmm. be very hard to to, um, to to take the time to read and comprehend. Um, if there's nothing else you're going to read within the product disclosure statement, read the exclusions list. At least you know what is specifically not covered under exclusions mm-hmm, um, because yeah. they're always explicit, explicitly listed on a product disclosure statement. So Pets on Me, we always make sure that we really sort of don't shy away from listing specifically what and what is not covered within our policies. Now, the other thing that I would suggest if you're not going to read the product disclosure statement, and, and we recommend that, of course, that you do, is just to give us a call and ask us direct questions on what you want to know yeah. specifically is or is not covered. Our team specifically will always happily run you through something that perhaps you don't understand and you'd like clarity around. Before taking out the policy, give us a call Tell us what you're confused about and we'll explain it to you so that you can feel comfortable before you purchase a policy. We don't want someone buying a policy feeling like they're not sure exactly what it covers. We'd rather you be really comfortable in knowing. And any insurer should be able, you should be able to pick up the phone and ask them direct mm-hmm. questions. Is X, Y, Z covered? And they should be able to tell you yes or no. Um, I think before you take out a policy, if you're not 100% sure, I know people don't like to in this day and age, but it's amazing what picking up the phone can do just to give you that peace of mind. Um, Our support team is in Australia, so you're always going to speak to a local person who's going to answer it in simple, plain English. That way you're going to feel much more comfortable once you've taken out the policy, knowing what's covered and, of course, what's not covered. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all about the questions with anything that I'm buying. Like people must go, oh my God, she's got more questions. And I'm like, no, but I want to be really, really clear on what I'm getting so I don't turn around down the track and go, hang on a minute, but I thought I got this and and obviously then didn't get whatever, you know, whatever it was. So uh, people get a bit sick of me asking asking questions, but I think you need to inform yourself and educate yourself. Yeah, of course. And and the proof is in the pudding. Our average call time um, with our consultants is 18 and a half minutes they spend on an average call uh, for yeah. new policy sales. Um, so, of course, part of it's talking about how much we all love pets. You'd be surprised how that conversation does. I can imagine. <laughs> but there's also just, it's just, it's a, it can be very complicated. We just want to take the time to answer those questions. So your listeners should not hesitate in ringing whichever insurer there is and, and asking those questions, no matter how silly they may seem. No mm-hmm. question is silly in our mind because we would much rather you guys uh, feel confident before you take out the policy rather than having purchased a policy and then when it comes to claim time thinking you're covered for something when you're not yeah no always ask questions good idea absolutely um, absolutely let's talk about the positives and the negatives because obviously yep. we've well, we've spoken a lot about the positives and that can you know cover you in the event of you know accident or illness um yep. and it's probably not something you want to probably talk about very often is the negatives of pet insurance given what you do but there's positives and negatives to everything from a from a dog owner's perspective so can we yep. sort of chat a little bit more about what they might be um i think maybe 
for me, one of the, the negatives is, you know, no one wants to pay for insurance, but it's one of those things yeah. you're like, ah, God, there's my money, take it. Um, yeah. But what are, the, are there any other negatives when it comes to pet insurance or people who may not, it's probably not the right thing for them? Yeah, so first and foremost, you mentioned it obviously is cost. Um, so yeah. pet insurance, unfortunately, is not typically not a cheap product. No. Um, so um, that is, you know, first and foremost, if, you, if you're thinking of, you know, weighing it up, but then you've also got to weigh up the cost of an unexpected vet bill that could be north of ten or twenty thousand dollars. So it's mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, a lot of people use, oh, I'm just going to put the money in a bank account and, and save. Well, that's all very well, but what happens if there's if something happens sooner rather than later, and you've saved two or three hundred dollars and the bet bill's ten thousand dollars? Yeah. Um, for example, so you know, in my mind, that sort of argument doesn't really stack up. Uh, but you know, each each to their own. Um, other things to consider as as well is. Um, you know, in terms of weighing up the, the pros and cons of insurance, um, with with pets on me, you can send you, your vet, your pet can go to any registered or licensed vet in Australia, but some insurers won't let you go to any vet. Um, mm-hmm. So it's worth worth taking that into consideration as well. Um, now, we, term- I'd actually never thought about that. I just assume that well, whoever vet I'm taking them to, because I've never had any issues with claims of saying well, we don't cover that particular vet, but but um, that's a really good thing to actually consider to go well. I need to make sure that, you know, my regular vet is actually covered, you know, in the, in the yeah. policy. And then the other thing, Tanya, as well, is, is on the vet side is these days most vets are very pro-insurance, but some vets can be difficult. Um, all insurers will require clinical your pet's clinical notes in, to, yeah. in, in order to assess a claim. Um, that base, Those notes are basically just telling us what's, what's happened with, to the, with the pet. And some insurers won't actually, sorry, some vets won't actually share those clinical notes with the, the pet's owner, which to me is just staggering. Um, yeah. the, pet, if the, the pet in the eyes of the law is, is owned by that person, but yet the vet will not share uh, those clinical notes. So we That's would then have to go in and yeah. request, yeah. It, it happens more often than you'd think. Um, so what that means, it's a bit of a pain for the customer because it means rather than just getting those documents there and then when they leave the vet is we have to go and get those those documents, which we're happy, happy to do. It just unfortunately slows down the process. Yeah, um, so fun. I think, yeah, I think, you know, making sure that a vet that you're going to is happy to sort of make the process easier for you, for you, the customer, because it doesn't really impact us. It's more, it's more for the customer from the customer's perspective. Um, yeah. The other thing that we've also seen is vets sort of making recommendations on pet insurance, which, which they're allowed to do, but it seems, it almost feels like a lot of them are misinformed on, on, on coverage and they're telling their patients the wrong things around insurance. So I always encourage customers to make their own, do their own research and probably not yeah. necessarily rely on the vet in terms of insurance. It's, it's the, the veterinarian themselves typically has very little to do with their claim. In fact, it's more usually the reception staff and the administration team that, that yeah. dealing with insurance and and vets um with you know they're just typically not dealing with insurance to, to be, in my mind to be able to give quality advice on which insurance to to pick would be like an insurer giving people you know advice about treating the dog it's like well yeah. you've got your own area sort of thing that you yeah. that you know um you're best to sort of stay in that area i guess yeah um so let's sort of finish up the conversation with the top three things that people need to look for if they're considering insurance. So if someone's got a new puppy or they're going, hey, it's probably time we need to look at getting some insurance, mm-hmm. uh, what are the top three things that they need to consider yeah. or make sure that they get included? Absolutely. So one thing I want to mention is you'll see when you're shopping around for insurance is 
um, you'll see that probably the most prominent feature on any insurance policy is the annual benefit limit. So the amount that you can claim mm -hmm. each year. But what yeah. I want to encourage is to, to look a little bit deeper into the policy rather than just looking at the annual limit. And the reason for that is think it's a, 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 a common uh, condition on a pet insurance policy called sublimits. Now, the pet insurance policy that you're looking at could have the highest annual limit in the in the country. However, mm -hmm. if you look deeper, you'll see that there are limits on specific conditions that you can claim on. For example, there might be a sublimit on cruciate ligament injuries. Now, they can be some of the most expensive claims that we see, and many insurers will limit that to just a couple of thousand dollars, um, whereas the annual benefit limit that, that you're seeing on the policy is $20,000. So a, a, a customer, a policyholder might think, oh, I'm getting $20,000 coverage on any condition. Where in no, fact that's yeah. not the case. There are various sublimits. Um, that's now, a for great example, point, Alex. I'd never yeah. thought of that before ever. Yeah. I'll give you an example. So consultation fees. Whenever your pet goes and sees a vet for anything, the first thing the pet the vet does is assess the pet and charge a consultation fee for that pet. We do not limit we do not have a sublimit on consultation fees. Many insurers limit that to somewhere around three hundred dollars a year. Now, what that means, if you're going to the vet multiple times in a year, you're very quickly going to run up that limit on consults and you're going to be responsible for covering the uh, over and above that sublimit amount for consultation fees, for example. Um, another mm. one, like I mentioned, is cruciate ligament. So just be aware of the sublimits on a policy and don't be too drawn just by the, the total benefit limit of the policy. It can be very deceiving. If you've got a very high annual benefit limit, but you can't claim that amount, what's the point? Um, so that's yeah. something to think about as well. That would be my, that, that would be my sort of my top tip. Um, other things that you can look at is things like percentage of cover, how much you're going to get back from your insurer. Um, mm -hmm. When you make a claim, most are around 80%. Um, that would be the second one. Um, third and final is like a, is like I said um, around so percentage cover. Uh, obviously, price. You, you know, you, yeah. you want to make sure that you feel like you're, you're getting a good deal. And I will mention that within the first year of pet own, pet insurance, most companies will give you a, a, a an incentive to join in the first year. Um, yeah. What many do is they, if it's say they give you a month's free or two months free, they will apportion that discount across the whole year. Bring yeah. the what looks like the monthly policy uh, price down, and mm -hmm. it looks deceiving because you're getting that first year discount. If that makes sense, yeah. What we yeah. do is we actually give you that first month free up front, and so you can see the true value of the pet insurance on a monthly basis rather than the discounted amount. So just keep that would be my final tip: is take into consideration any promotions that you're getting because it might not be the true cost of your pet insurance. And then in year two, you're going to see an even bigger jump because the promotion not, no longer applies. Yeah. Good. Does that make sense? I hope I haven't explained absolutely. that badly. No, no, absolutely makes sense because you often see that. Yeah. We're like, oh, you get the first three months three or something. And then, yeah, obviously that cost divided over the year looks like it's yes. significant saving, but so it then actually you think it's, yeah. Then you go, oh, my policy is so much cheaper than all the others, but it's not because of that promotional discount, which will be removed. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's something very important to look out for. Great tips. There's, I'm, I'm going to go and have a look at policies <laughs> and go, I'm going to look a bit deeper at some of these sublimits and stuff to see what we're actually getting because I'd never looked at it like that. I think I was the same as a lot of people like, oh, how much do we get? Okay, we've got up to this much per year, which I couldn't even tell you what it is now. Um, yeah. so that should be fine. It's going to cover this. Like, and that, But you don't know what you don't know, right? And it's That's these right. types of conversations 
that bring things to light where you go, oh, I hadn't thought about that. I need to consider that or look at that. So um, thank you so much for, for yeah, sharing thanks. all that, Alex, because I swear every, like, every single time I do one of these episodes, I learn something. I've just learned more. I've got notes here of stuff that I've got to go and do and check now. Awesome. Um, but, Tanya, you know, there's one thing I leave you with and your listeners with, especially because you've got a pet insurance policy and a number of your listeners do as well as well, yeah. is many insurers these days, including Pets on Me, will waive waiting periods if, you move, if you've held an insurance policy for 12 years, 12 months or longer with no interruption. So you've been with your current insurer for 12 months, no interruption. In other words, you haven't cancelled the policy. You should be able to move to another insurer and have those waiting periods waived for you. We certainly do that at Pets on Me as well. So you should, if you're not happy with your insurer, oh, find right. an insurer that will waive the waiting periods. It just means yeah. that you don't have to worry about something happening during the waiting periods if you're to make that yeah absolutely great thanks for that alex that's You're good welcome. to know um thank you so much for this conversation again it's another um important one for um our dog owners to understand this whole pet insurance thing because it can as you said it can get very confusing and complicated and it's like what do i need to look at um really appreciate you taking the time to to share all these great tips and, and insights with us so thanks for that alex my, my pleasure i really really enjoyed the chat tanya and i hope to see you again soon in brizzy yeah, great. Look forward to it. See ya. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, I am jumping in quickly to ask you how you're liking the podcast. And if you're loving the content, please show the podcast some love and leave a review on Apple or give it five stars on Spotify because reviews and ratings help more oodle owners find it and love it too. Would you like to know more about the services we provide here at 3 Sport Dogs? Now visit our website, 3 is in the number 3, sportdogs.com.au. Also send me an email if you've got any questions or to request specific topics in future episodes. If you'd like to become a collaborative partner or just to tell me how much you love the podcast, I would love to hear from you.